You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. As a body of believers together, and we've been uh, doing a lot of, uh, if, if you will, spiritual brainstorming. Uh, we prepared ourselves for that through prayer and fasting. Um, we've shared our hearts. We've shared our, our opinions. We've shared our convictions. Uh, we've shared what we believe God has been saying to us uh, throughout not only the time of the 21 days of praying and fasting, but just in general as God is speaking to us as we are living life and doing life together. Um, we believe that we are hearing the Lord in the midst of all of our, our life together. And these are, these are important times for us. Uh, life Church is growing. Uh, we, are, we have a wonderful class today for New Covenant members. Uh, we have uh, vibrant groups of people in Life Church doing wonderful things. Um, we, we have this sense of uh, almost like spiritual anxiety, uh, if you will, this, this excitement but nervousness, uh, wondering what is God doing, uh, you know, what is God about right now in Life Church. And we're trying to sort of discern and, and figure all that kind of stuff out. And um, as we went into our 21 days of, of prayer and fasting, we all realized that God wanted to deal with our hearts, uh, which he did. Many of us had profound encounters with God where he dealt with our, our own personal issues and struggles. And uh, that was a powerful time for those who experienced that. Um, and many of you uh, got God's heart for life church, for us corporately, and, and what kind of church we are becoming, and the things that God will have for us to do. And, and, and there was a lot of things that were laid on your heart that were very preparatory. There were things that needed to be done before other things could be done. Uh, and so we took all of these things. Matter of fact, all of these things total were about 64 different things that came out uh, that maybe we should consider as we look at going forward with God. Um, and so I want to talk to you about where Israel was in this day of Joshua on the bank of the Jordan. And I want to try to draw uh, two or three parallels and try to talk to us about where we need to be spiritually in our preparation for crossing over. In other words, moving into maybe some areas where we've never been, going somewhere we've never been before, just as the Israelites did uh, in the day of Joshua. So I hope that this will encourage you. I hope it will also settle you just a little bit. I hope it will, will cause all of us to feel like that we are uh, moving forward and that we have some good direction and that God is leading us and that he is capable of doing what needs to be done to help us to cross this sort of river, if you will, uh, in our life as a church and move into where uh, our promised land is, the place where he really wants us to live and dwell and do life and be the church that he has called us to be. So we want to look at that a little bit. Now, what I want to do is just rehearse what we came up with out of the meeting because I don't want you to feel like that, well, Pastor Bill and Pastor Dave called this meeting and they had us agonized through 21 days of fasting and praying and then we gave them our heart and then they just now they just go sit in the office by the heater and stay warm you know and then what what is going on what's what's happening with all of this because uh, a lot of you uh, took in a lot some of you tipped uh, during that that uh, meeting uh, that when we gathered together it was just there was a lot of information and it kind of became almost like an overload for you plus some of you uh, you just are not visionary people some of you are some of you love that kind of visionary stuff and you like looking way out there and even even though it's not a clear picture, you just enjoy the view. 
all right? But some of you are more type A people, and you're like, well, how are we going to get there? And what's it going to take? And who's going to do what? And how much money will be involved? And what's going on? And we need some information, and we need some facts, and, and, and we're not prepared. And, and, and your level of anxiety is rising because you don't know what's going to happen and what's going to be required of you. And so before we get into this message, I want to encourage you through the Word today, but before we get into this message, I want to talk to you just a few minutes about what has happened as a result of us gathering uh, and, uh, and, and where we are sort of moving to sort of filter and, and shape and, uh, and look at all of this information that's been given to us by one another, okay? And uh, what we've done is we've come up with six uh, what are we would call potential goals. Uh, they, are, they are areas of focus. Uh, they are top uh, priorities. Uh, you, you can probably label them in a, a variety of different ways. But these are th- sort of like encapsulized things that we feel like that uh, God is speaking to life church. And, and, and I want you to understand something. Some of what is going on here is the Spirit of God speaking to us. And so we may actually be somewhat, um, we may be somewhat um, leery if that's a word we can use, of the Holy Spirit right now. How many of you have, have ever had the Holy Spirit speak something to you that you did not want to do? Something that scared the liver out of you. You know, it's like, I, I, that will kill me. That will destroy me. I, I can't do that, you know. Uh, and, and the Holy Spirit will do that sometimes. Uh, and so we, we might be hearing some of those kinds of things. We might be hearing things that, that the Lord's just been speaking for a long time, and we know it. And we've known it. And we just go, yep, I knew that. That, that makes perfect sense. I knew that. You know. and, and some of this we may be hearing and we're going, you know what? I don't know that that's the Spirit speaking, but that's really my heart. That's really in me. I, I resonate with that. I, I, would, I would long to see Life Church move in that direction, in that way. And so it speaks to our heart. It grabs us where we have passion and we have desire. And so we identify with that very well. And so some of all of those kinds of things are factoring into what we're talking about today. Um, I have a PowerPoint, and, and it's, it's not going to be easy for you to read some pieces of it. And I'll move through those really, really quickly here. But I wanted to give you some... Uh, uh, sense of what we're doing with the information that that we all have brought to the table so you have a little bit of understanding of where we're going here all right and the i want to basically focus on these six areas if you will and give you understanding that that they are in our um they're in front of us all right they're they're right there in front of us and we're going to start looking at them and taking the information that you put into this long list and and try to see how do we take those things and which of those things do we take and where do we prioritize so that we can accomplish these six goals that we feel like maybe God is speaking to us here, okay? So let's rehearse back, all right? Let's go back to that meeting and that meeting was called Vision 2020, right? Um, and so if you can give me the, the first PowerPoint there, um, we did the meeting and there were several things that we utilized to draw from, to draw the information from that we got. Uh, one was the 2012 unfinished business. All right. For those of you who were not at the meeting, the 2012 unfinished 
uh, business was, were things that we had talked about in the year 2012 in a like meeting and they did not get accomplished or they were not fulfilled in that particular meeting and they've carried over up until now. And so we looked at what was the unfinished business back there, okay? And we brought that into the now. The other thing we looked at, and you got to talk about in the meeting, those who were there, were the strengths and the opportunities within Life Church, meaning those things that you really see as really strong and solid that help carry Life Church forward, and then those things that are opportunities to, to do better or to change in some way or to evaluate and, and work with. So uh, in, in, in some more critical reports, these would be called the weaknesses, okay? Uh, but these are places where there's opportunity for us to, to do things a little bit better. And then a really large part of what the list came, to, came from was the 21 days of prayer and fasting. These are the things that all of you who participated in the prayer and fasting time came up with in your synopsis, and we took them and added them to the list as well. And then there were just a few other things, and we just labeled that other stuff, okay? Uh, those are some other things that you talked about, either in the meeting or around the meeting. They were peripheral to what was going on, but they were valid and valuable, and so they were added in there as well, okay? Now, all of this, if you'll give me the next slide, all of this needs to be filtered through our vision or our mission, if you will, our mission statement, which is we glorify God by making disciples in our neighborhood and beyond, which is taken from the Gospel of Matthew, the Great Commission. Everything we do is about discipling and uh, sharing Jesus with others. So all of these, this, this, this vast array of these 64 items, if you will, they get, they get sifted through this grid of the mission of life church. And so out of that, then, we drew up these six goals that we want to talk to you uh, or sort of just share with you today. And um, if you would like copies of these, I can email them over to you or, or Dave and I can make copies for you. And then you can have this information and you can uh, work with it and pray over it and, and, and see maybe what is God speaking to you about one of these particular areas uh, that we're going to be looking at as we are going forward here. Okay, so there are six of them. The first one is a healthy and authentic community of believers. This came out so uh, big in what you were sharing in the meeting, all right? A healthy and authentic community of believers. Now, there were a number of things on our list that brought us to this particular goal here. And uh, let, if you give me the next one, uh, these are a number of the things, prayer ministry, uh, a coordinator for volunteer events and such, life groups which we already have. So some of these things, see, are, are current things that are established in Life Church already. Some of these things are, are items that are more task-oriented that we can do and accomplish in the very near future. And some of these things have some real visionary aspects to them. They are things that we We've got to think through and process and develop a strategy and a method whereby we can accomplish them. So some of them will be uh, very short-term uh, opportunities for us. Some of them will be very long-term opportunities for us, all right? But all of these things that you see in the arrow that, that is going to move us forward are things that we believe will help us to be able to create this healthy and authentic community of believers. Will all of them get done? Probably not. Let's be honest, okay? We don't, we don't want to set you up in any way here. Uh, and, and we certainly don't want to overpromise and underdeliver here. Uh, but these are all the things that you brought to the table. So these are all things that we want to consider as we are trying to create a healthy and authentic community of believers here, okay? All right, will you give me the next one, Dan? 
a well-cared-for, adequate facility for use by all ministries of the church. Um, and if you just go right on to the next one, then um, we can see what things these are that, uh, that, that were important to you. All right, Dan, can you give me the next one, please? There, perfect. Um, you asked for janitorial services. This is one that we're going to get on right away. All right, we're going to get Pastor Dave out of the, the broom closet and into the pulpit. Okay, so this one is, is one that, that's really important to a lot of people. Uh, curb appeal, creating a welcoming atmosphere for this building, having this building maybe updated just a little bit. Uh, the biggest, highest vote getter of all, of anything on the entire list of 64, was a well-lit building. All right, so that's something we're going to jump on right away and try to get that taken care of. Now, there are a couple of things like a well-lit building and uh, uh, storage space and some of those effective signage you see on there. Um, Please understand, a lot of these need to happen right away, but first we're going to have to go to someone and get some understanding and some direction, and so we're going to have to see an architect uh, or, or someone like that who, who maybe can, or a contractor who can maybe help us to understand these kinds of things. So you won't see those lights go up next week, but please understand that we're, we're investigating and we're doing the research to know how it is going to be best for us to do that. The thing we don't want to do is do things that cost money only to find out a little bit later that we're going to have to undo those things because of the way we're going to do other things. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Like if we wanted to expand a, an area of our building or something like that and we do something on the outside, we want to do it in such a way that we, it's cost effective for us to be able to, to do that sort of thing. All right? So a well-cared-for, adequate facility for use by all ministries of the church. All right, next one. Uh, number three, the goal was a neighbor to our community. Many of you talked about wanting to be authentically relating to our community or our neighborhood around us. Uh, so we want to do that uh, by engaging, by helping, and by knowing, and by living together with our neighbors. Um, one of the things that came out of that was a mission house. Uh, we already have a community garden. How to improve on that? How to, how to make that better? Uh, I think one of the key ones in this area is going to be ministry assessment. Just looking at how we do ministry, assessing what is out there. Uh, what we're able to, to do, uh, how we want to go forward in reaching into this neighborhood. What are some of the things that are out there in the neighborhood? How, do we, how are we able to have cultural understanding of this particular neighborhood? Also, what are some other organizations out there that we can connect with so that we're not duplicating ministry in some way, but we're actually able to do more with our resources because we're not uh, running over someone else's ministry or, or, or uh, doubling up in some way. Okay? Next one. Uh, number four, we are going to have the goal of a safe haven where people are connected to God. There was a lot of you who spoke about wanting very much to, to, to see um, some, some energy put into how we worship and how we connect with God. Uh, again, Life Groups is one of those places, prayer ministry. Uh, we want to look at how, how to equip you and give you the tools you need for some effective evangelism. Uh, and, in, in, and here you see other things reappearing here. Uh, for us to be a safe haven, we do need a, a well-lit facility. So you see that coming back. So you see the value 
uh, in several areas of several different things that you said. Uh, it's the same thing, but the value is, is, is approached in a little bit different way here. Um, one of the things that I think is very important on here, and David and I are going to work out right away, is uh, understanding addiction, addiction behavior, and looking at what addiction programs are out there so that not only are you able to understand that for yourself, but then we are able to feel more comfortable reaching out to people who are in addictive situations and they have addictive behaviors and so that we feel trained and equipped to be able to work with those kinds of people, all right? So a safe haven where people are connected to God, not just where we bring people in to connect with God, but where you are connecting with God so that you can reach those people who are out there as well, okay? So the next one, number five, is a body of believers raising the young to know Jesus, love God, and live full and God-centered lives. There was a time when Life Church had no children hardly in it. There were just a, a little handful of children in Life Church. Um, and, and, and we did a really, really fine job when we were small like that. But we have lots of children now. We have lots and lots of young people. And they're absolutely outstanding. They're, they're energetic and energetic but they're also inquisitive and curious about God and about the things of God. And we want to be responsible that we are teaching them and training them. Can you give me the next piece, Dan, uh, so we can see some of these things? Uh, we, we did a puppet ministry this year, this last year. Uh, um, we have an amazing number of, if you look around, young people in this church. There's a lot of young life in life church and there are quite a number of college students and one of the things that came out was some some dynamic programming for young people in particular our ability to create collegiate culture within life church uh, which means we're not going to, to the campuses at this time, but we're going to try to bring people off the campus into Life Church and offer opportunities for them right here in-house and utilize them in the ministry of Life Church on an ongoing basis. So we want to value uh, the time that we have with these young people, that sort of thing. Um, um, prayer partners for the kids. I, Jen, Jen, all of our kids, have, every child in Life Church is covered in prayer. There is someone every week praying for every single child in Life Church. That is amazing to me. I am so happy about that, all right? Uh, we want worship services welcoming for the different ages, and we want to be able to integrate the different ages into the life of the church, that sort of thing. So a lot going on in that arrow as well, and a lot of it uh, is geared to... to uh, volunteers. We're going to need you. To, to do this, we're going to need a lot of people who are saying, you know what, I'm ready to get in there and help. I see the value of, of reaching our young people, that sort of thing. And the last one is a globally minded, culturally aware people who live out the Great Commission. I love this one because I'm very globally minded. That's where my heart is, and I, I really like this one. And I believe that one, one huge aspect of Life Church is that we are a sending church. That is one way that we do grow is we send people out. Um, and so this, is, this one is, is a wonderful one uh, for, from my perspective. Now, some of you may not be at all globally minded. It may, this may not be where God is working in your heart. You may have looked at one of those other five and went, wow, that's mine. I'm grabbing onto that one. That is great. We don't want everybody grabbing onto the same goal. Uh, as a church, we've all got to find out where is God speaking to us and what do we need to be doing. But in this one, there's definitely uh, several things that came out. Uh, the adoption fund was still very high. Um, very excited that there's another family in Sioux Falls who are wanting to adopt and that they are a ministry family and that we can now help them. Um, can I tell them you're leaving, Jim? 
<laughs> David's been telling everybody one, one by one this morning, but, but they, could be, they could be headed out of here in a week and a half or so to go and pick up their little girl, which is absolutely outstanding and wonderful. And that doesn't mean it's over. That doesn't mean we stop helping them now, you know, or that they're done or it's finished. Their greatest road is ahead of them. Their greatest challenges are yet in front of them. And as a church, we need to be there to help them and support them as they are raising their daughter uh, in, their, in their family. But it's exciting to me that we can continue a fund that can help other families. And in particular, uh, the second family that we're going to try to help this spring is a, is a, a ministry family. So, we, we have uh, chosen to help a local pastor and his wife who do not have other resources very much to help them in their adoption process. And uh, so we're going to continue to do rummage sales and things like that to help raise money so that other families can do that. Now, we want to be very sensitive to Life Church. If God is speaking to you about doing challenging things like adopting a child or moving into the neighborhood or those sorts of things. We want to know about that so we can come along beside you. We can get around you and help you. And that's not just a financial support, although that is part of it, but it is an emotional and spiritual support that we give to you. And we want to be a part of that with you. Even, even in your, your planning stages, if you are thinking of these things, talk to us and let us pray with you and see what God might be saying to you about that. Um, this is one area where uh, there was a lot of people who talked about training and equipping, really wanting some type of training uh, for uh, missions and going out on missions, especially for those people who might be going long term. Now, we haven't actually officially sent someone out long term as a missionary of Life Church yet, but a number of people have left out of Life Church and gone on the mission field, and some of them are there permanently. And some of you support them in various ways, which is absolutely outstanding. But I think it'll be a remarkable day when we as Life Church could possibly say, this one is rising up in Life Church. They feel very much that God is calling them to go to a particular people group. And uh, we, are, we as a church are going to send them and set them in place as a full-time, long-term missionary. That would be a powerful, powerful time. Okay? So, uh, just to lay that out ahead of preaching this message to you, because when we look at all of that, it is a raging torrent. It is like a big river. There's a lot to cross over on uh, in these goals that we are setting and all the things that you have been talking about us doing as a church. When you look around at the size of this church and you see all the things that are listed in those arrows to move us forward, it is a tall order. So it's a big, 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 big challenge for us to do all of that. But I, I'm going to stand up here today and try to encourage you and to say to you that we can do it. We can do this. We can be this kind of a church that we can move forward. And I, some of this stuff is a little bit daunting, and some of it will scare us, all right? So with that, let's go back now into the Scriptures, and let's look back in this passage in Joshua chapter 3, and let's see what God will speak to us out of this particular passage, all right? Now, as just a little bit of a backdrop here, the two spies had returned from Jericho. They had followed Joshua's orders to go and check out the land, um, and, and they had escaped discovery. They needed Rahab's help to do that, but they got back, and they're giving their report to Joshua here uh, in, this, in this passage, and uh, I, I would say that their hearts were just overwhelmed. They were just overjoyed. They're bursting with this kind of joyous, euphoric, 
for it kind of attitude here. You see it back, if you look back in Joshua chapter 2, verse 24, it says there that these spies said, the Lord has handed over the entire land to us. Not, not a little piece of it, not a part of it. The entire land is ours. And everyone who lives in the land now, they are already in a panic because of us. There's a buzz out. The, is, the, the Israelites are coming. The Israelites are on their way. You know, and so there's, this, there's this, this word that's getting out among the peoples of the land. And it's creating uh, anxiety and fear and different things in the people. And this was the news that, folks, that Joshua had been waiting for. All right? This is something that was in his heart. And I think we see that because immediately he dispatches runners throughout the camp of Israel. He's got these guys and he says, he says you go and you announce these things. All right? And here's what they had to, had to say. They said to say, the first thing next morning, you're going to break camp. All right? And you're going to pitch your tents on the banks of the river. In other words, we're going to move just a little bit here. All right? We're going to... We're going we're to... Go from where we are, and we're going to move over just a little bit. There's going to be some movement here, and so you're going to break up the current uh, camp. And so what they did is they, they took this little strange little short journey, which is from what is called the Acacia Grove to the river's edge. Now, that's just a few miles, and it's not a, a, a too rugged of an area all right, where they were there, okay? Um, so we can pretty much assume that the Israelites were able to do this in a short amount of time, all right? So they break this camp, they pack it all up, they move across, all right? And so as they're doing this, I'm sure, folks, that there was a lot of talk going on. And I'm sure that since our meeting following 21 days of prayer and fasting, there's been a buzz around like church. You guys have been talking. I've been hearing it. I get it. I get emails. I get text messages. You know, some of you have sat in our office and talked to us about the things that are, that are going through your mind. Some, I, I, I had someone tell me right away, the next day, I didn't sleep last night. And I think they really meant it. Because there, all this stuff was stewing around and, and going on. And, and I think you probably would, would see this if you could look down on Israel and you know, look back in history. And I'm sure that some of them were saying, hey, this is it. This is the day. It's going to, we're going to do it. We are standing on the brink of a river. No, I think some of them were saying, we are standing on the brink of prophecy. We are standing on the brink of vision, if you will. We're standing on the brink of a dream that God is putting inside of us. And I, I know some of you, I remember some of you, things that you've said to me that, that you said years ago about life church. And I haven't lost those things. I haven't let those things go. It's like they're there. They've, they've been inside of me. And they're inside of some of you. And these are things that either God spoke to you or you just held on to because they were a dream that you had about life church. They are things that are passionate to you. And you've never given up on those things. And I think there were many Israelites who were, even though they were wandering for years here, they've never given up. And they're saying, hey, we are here. We have come again to this place where our forefathers blew it. On this time, we're going to obey and we're going to do it and we're going to go and we're going to take the land. So as they are approaching this very famous river, if you will, 
it forms this barrier between them and this, this sort of longing of real estate that is over there on the other side. This promise that they had been given, if you will, over there. And what they, they saw here in the, in, in the daylight, if you will, I think it was not just joyous, but it was also confusing. How are we going to do this? And for many of them, I think it was dreadful. There is no way to survive crossing over. We can't do this. And so I think that sometimes is what happens inside of us. We look at what is out in front of us. And when we do, we look at it just the way Israel looked at the Jordan. And we have this sort of defiant decision that is made that that is uncrossable territory. That can't be done. We cannot do that. There's a simple sentence in verse 15, if you look at it, um, that gives us sort of the picture here. All right. And, and uh, it, it's, it's quite um, daunting, if you will. It says there in verse 15, um, excuse me. Yeah, simple sentence in verse 15. Um, it says, as soon as those bringing the ark had come as far as the Jordan, uh, the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped in the brink of the water. Now here's, here's the daunting part. Now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. When are they about to cross? In the time of harvest. In the time of harvest, they are crossing over. But it says it's flooded. It, it's flooded. And, and, and the gentle Jordan, as many people see it in pictures and know it, is not this description here. This is a raging flooding river, all right? Not only that, if you look across the River Jordan in this area where it, it is, is thought that they crossed over, you will see that on the other side, it is, it is thick and there's a lot of dense growth and, 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 and brick, prickly bushes and all kinds of things. It's not just that they are going to cross this river, but they're going to have to navigate once they get on the other side. See, for Israel, this was not... The, the idea of promised land, is, it, it sounds really beautiful. But, but in reality, it was still a great challenge. Even though it was promised, it would be their land, and there was a good report from the spies, the reality is they still had to go in and settle themselves in this land. They still had to do what was necessary to make it work for them. And so when I tell you that we're going to take the neighborhood, when I tell you that we're going to be effective as a church in this community, when I tell you we're going to send people overseas and we're going to be globally connected and we're going to have missionaries raised up and we're going to have powerful worship here and we're going to reach out and, and, and love on the, the diverse neighborhood that we're in and we're going to do whatever it takes to expand in whatever way we have to to be a, a, a mighty impact in this community, I believe that, that that is the promise of God. But I don't believe it's going to be easy for any of us. And I want, I want you to understand that we are on one side of the river looking over at what is ours. But it is not without challenge. It is not without opportunity. And we are going to have to accept that where God is taking us, it is going to require of us a great work. And so we're not going over to rest, everybody. I wish I could tell you that. You're going to rest when Jesus comes back. You're going to rest when, when the new heavens and the new earth are established. You'll rest. You'll be with Jesus. God will be in the midst of us. But not, that is not this day. That is not this year. And unless Jesus comes soon, it probably won't be this decade. 
But hallelujah, because that gives us time and opportunity to do something for God and to win people to Jesus. So here's the scene, if you will. This, this, this river Jordan is swelled and its banks are spreading about a mile out now, okay? The, the depth of the river is anywhere from 3 to 12 feet in some places. So they know in their head that they can't just walk and wade through here. Some areas of this river is going to be above their head. It's capable of not only sweeping them away, but drowning them, all right? The undergrowth on the other side is thick and easily could trip someone up and, and cast them into the currents on the, on the riverbank. This was a sight to see. And this is what greeted hundreds of thousands of people that have now pitched their tents alongside the river because God says, camp right here. I want you to understand something. We're asking you to hear God and seek God and find out what it is God wants us to do. But we are in no way saying, take it and run right now. We're saying, camp here with us. Stay right here for a little while. Let's figure this thing out. Let's make sense of all of what God is saying here. All right? So we're not going to get in a hurry and get ahead of God. But heaven forbid that we would lag behind and miss God. And so we need to be ready. We need to be looking. We need to be planning and strategizing and figuring it all out. The Bible tells us that they spent the next three days right there. God said camp and they camped. And I'll tell you what, the whole time they're camped, I'm sure they're hearing the force of this water raging right there beside them. Doesn't make sense, does it? Why didn't God just leave them over here? They're, they're over a mile away, camped, waiting. Just stay over there. Don't look at that until you have to. Don't, don't camp right next to it and hear the raging waters all night long. But that's where they are. And I'm sure that as they are there and they are waiting, their hearts are pounding with the reality that every Israelite is going to have to make this crossing. And you could bet there were doubts upon doubts upon doubts that came into their mind. Things like, well, maybe the strong of us could brave this flood. But how do we cross with infants, with sickly people, with aged people? Not to mention all the possessions we have strapped on wagons and whatever. I think there were a lot of people as these days went by, these three days, that the word they heard the most was no. 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 And it's easy for you and I to relate to some of those kinds of emotions and those kinds of thoughts that went on in Israel. Because a lot of you face personal Jordans that came through in, in, in the 21 days of fasting and prayer. There were some of you that God made you very aware of the Jordans that are in your life. The places where you need to cross over. The places that, that feel so permanent, they feel so powerful that you don't even want to try. You don't, you don't even want to make it across. You're just like, I, my life feels stalled. I'm stuck on the wrong side of God's provision. I've never been able to get over on the side of the promise. I've just stayed right here. And this is where I'm stuck. And this is where I'm going to stay. And so for whatever reason, you're not capable, it seems like, of getting over. But folks, we read all through Scripture about the abundant life. 
But if your whole life is filled with, I can't make it out of the wilderness, you're never going to know the abundant life of Jesus. And churches can feel this way too. We can feel this way corporately. We can get stalemated by the promises of something great with God, but we're blocked by all kinds of barriers that we tend to see. And I want to challenge you and I as a church that we not look that way right now. That we not see this as a place that we can't cross, if you will. Joshua chapter 3 is telling us something that is echoed throughout Scripture. And that is this, and you find it in the New Testament, that we do not walk by sight or by faith. The question is, do we walk by sight or by faith? And for you and I, it has to be a walk of faith. And the only way it can be is if we stand on the truth that what is impossible with man is possible with God. And so when God speaks to us out of the impossibilities that we see with our natural, we have to move. We have to shift. These people had to get away from seeing this river as it was in real time and see it as God would promise it would be when they stepped out in obedience. And so we've got to live in this place of faith, believing that God is speaking to us and God is calling us and maybe even challenging us, if you will, to move beyond where we have ever been. God, I think, is about to reveal to Israel the steps that they need to take. And that's what I want to talk to you for a little bit about here is, is what we need to be doing as a church if we are going to be moving in this place of being grounded in God and grateful. Because Israel saw themselves as grounded and any move to be impossible. God does not have us stopped. God has us camping. And He has us on the verge of crossing over into His will for life church. And we're going to have to be ready to do that and pay whatever price is necessary, pay the cost that is necessary. We stand, if you will, and I'm speaking to you to, to try and to build your faith right here, all right? We stand on what I believe is the brink of a really God-sized future. Life Church can make an even greater impact than we ever have, but we cannot do that if we are only focused on the obstacles that can hinder us. We've got to begin to see. We've got to, we, we, we can feel like we're facing an impossible task if we want to, if we choose to. That is for, between where we are right here and where we need to get to. And that's really hard for you, I understand, because you come to your pastors and you say, well, where are we going, Pastor Bill? Where are we going, Pastor Dave? And we look at you and smile and go, well, we really don't know. And that makes it more difficult. That makes it more challenging, doesn't it? That we don't see the final picture But it is not beyond God to ask someone to get up from where you are and go to where I will show you. So there's a a beginning place. There's there's something that, that we can do as we stand on this side of the river. We can begin to do what is necessary in preparation, all right? There are three things that I think we need to do, and I'll try to cover them very quickly here for you, all right? But there, let, let's try and, and, and sort of flush these three principles out of this passage right here, all right? Let's look first at what he says in, in chapter 3, verses 2 through 4 there. He says, At the end of three days the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, As soon as you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priest, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. 
Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it, in order that you may know the way you shall go. For you have not passed this way before. This is so crucial for you and I to understand. God is taking life church in a direction and to a place that we have not been before. Some of you, that's an individual thing. For all of us, it's a corporate thing. But we're going to a new place as we propose to follow the will of God and do what He has called us to do. And it's going to change us as a church. I don't know what all of those changes are looking like yet, but I I know that there is change on the horizon. Israel could not live as they did on this side of the river once they got on the other side of the river. And it was a different life on that side. So after three days, these officers go through the camp and they, they tell the people, when you see the ark of the, of, the, of the covenant of the Lord, your God, and it's being carried by these Levitical priests, you need to break camp and follow. You need to be behind the ark. But, but what did this mean to the Israelites? They're being told to, 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 to do this. And, and why would God care so much, folks, about this little piece of furniture and then requiring it to go first? What was the, the big deal about this Ark of the, the Covenant? I think we, can, we, we, can, we get a clue as we kind of look at the Ark and understand what it, what it was and what it housed. And inside of the Ark, there were these stone tablets which had the finger of God on it, so to speak, because he had written the Ten Commandments, in, and, and these, these stones were, were, were there. Uh, this was a sign to Israel of God's desire to have relationship with them and, and to live his kingdom in their lives. There was also a pot of manna in the ark. And this is, is sort of that reminder of God's promise to bring provision, and and give us what we need. And so during the 40 years, God provided for Israel. Even in their wandering, God was providing for them. Another item inside of the ark was Aaron's rod. It was a dead stick, all right? But miraculously, it grew leaves, it grew almonds. And this validated the power of God, if you will, to use anything He wanted to, to do what He wanted to, to accomplish His will right down to the smallest detail. I think these serve as sort of like historical reminders, if you will. They are witnesses of God's love and God's will and God's provision and God's power, if you will. So the ark is a, is a monument of God's faithfulness to Israel. And God is faithful to life, church. But it's more than that. You see, the ark was this amazing box, if you will, and on the top of it, there was this gold plate called the mercy seat, and over the mercy seat, there were these cherubim that were in sort of this kneeling position. Um, Psalm 80 and Psalm 99 both describe God as enthroned upon the cherubim. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying this, God shows up right there. And so the ark The mercy seat, the ark, it it was the Old Testament equivalent of Emmanuel. God with us. God with us. And so this chest leads the way. It means that God is out front. God is is first. And he he would, so to speak, take the first steps 
Not only into the river, not only in the precarious place, but in the promise. And so all of Israel's task here is to follow. Follow His lead. Pursue His presence. Come after Him. And that's what I want you to understand. We're not going anywhere God isn't already. We're not, we're not, we're not following after just dreams. We're not following after just ideas, but we, we are following God. And we're going to make sure that that's how we live and that's, that's how we go as a church, all right? Our task is to follow His lead, pursue His presence, come after Him. Verse 4 kind of, kind of lays the procedure out of how they're to do this and have this thousand yards or whatever between them and, and the ark. Don't, don't go near it. So that you can see the way to go, he says, all right? And, and he says, because you haven't traveled this way before. You, you've not been here before, all right? And God seems to be very particular about this whole distance, if you will, of, of where to keep the ark and, and the people. And I think he's clear here. I think, I think it makes sense because I think he wanted all of Israel to see which way God wanted them to go. And if the, the group in front crowded in too closely. On a, only a, a handful of people would have seen it. So, so here's, here's this picture, if you will. All Israel is encamped on this sloping hill beside the river Jordan, and this ark is positioned like a thousand yards from them, and everyone in the whole nation would be able to see this. The priests would bear it by rods, you know, on their shoulders, and, and they would, would stride towards the, the waters. Now, these would probably be like some very white waters, if you will, very, very strong waters. Um, it said that these waters could be fo- running 40 miles an hour uh, at, at, the, at the peak of, of flood time, all right? So, so everybody would understand the point. God intended for Israel to breach the Jordan with Him. With Him. The ark goes ahead because it signifies His presence, all right? But it's only done by focusing on Him, seeing His presence, seeing where He is and where He is moving and following Him. So, so we're constantly entering the future, folks, just as Israel did. They were, they, were all, they were headed into this future direction and they're moving, if you will, moment by moment. But, but they're gazing ahead. They're, they're not in, in the here and they're certainly not back there but they are seeing where God is wanting to take them. And, and this is the problem for us as a church is we will be, if we're not careful, we'll live back there somewhere. We'll, we'll only look back at what we had or what we were or what we liked or what we enjoyed or, or what felt comfortable or good to us at the expense of being able to see going forward. This is why Paul can say things like, hey, this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, I... I press on. I look forward. I, 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 my, my gaze is there. That's, that's where I am, all right? And, and, and we have to be careful because we, we cannot fall into that place of staying back there somewhere and saying, well, this is my lot in life. I, I just can't help it. This is the way I am. This is the way I'm made. This is the way I'm wired or whatever. No, you can cross over. We can cross over. We do this as the body of Christ. We do this together, all right? Even if we can't see our way clear and we don't know what's lurking under those waters, so to speak, of life, we are still able because we look to 
God. We look to Jesus, if you will. So what do we do when we face this kind of impossibility? We do what Peter did when he was walking on the water. We fix our eyes on Jesus. The minute he took his eyes off of Jesus, he began to see the raging sea around him and he began to remember uh, the logical truth that people don't walk on water even though Jesus bid him to come to him. And sometimes God may ask you to do something that looks and feels and sounds a bit illogical in some way, but we fix our eyes on him. We look to him, and then we can obey what he is calling us to do. So we have to focus ourselves and follow the movement of the Lord. So I say all of that to say to you, we are camped here. We're in this place. Don't be afraid of the place we're in. Don't be afraid of what God is about to do, what God is going to do, okay? Because He has us camped here for preparation. He has us here because His intent is to move us, to help us to cross over in what is new for us. And so I want to encourage you that that you move with God in your personal life and let us then be able to move with God corporately together as the body as life church, all right? So the first sort of big question this morning is, will we follow where God is leading us to go? Will you do that? Will you be willing to say, you know what? I'm, I'm willing to cross over. I'm willing to do whatever God calls me to do so that I am able to follow God in His movement. And if you will do that, God, you, God will bless your life and you will have a tremendous opportunity to do things for the kingdom of God. Every one of us will be able to do that. What's the second thing that we we pull out of here or we flush out of this passage? And that is that we are to consecrate ourselves. This is absolutely essential. Joshua told the people, he said, consecrate yourselves. Why? Because the Lord will do wonders among you tomorrow. You don't consecrate yourself just for you, but you consecrate yourself because of God. Because of what God will do. And the, the Hebrew word there for consecrate means you prepare yourself, dedicate yourself, be hallowed, be holy, be separate, be set apart. God's telling His people that, that if, they're, if they're going to cross the, uh, the, the uncrossable, if you will, if they're going to follow the will of the Lord, they, they must be set apart to Him. Must be set apart. They might got to be holy, set apart to Him. I think that involves two things, at least here. In this, in this passage, it involves two things. I think it does for us. Number one is that of personal repentance. By that, I mean personal repentance of every known sin. Do what you got to do, folks. Let God deal with your heart. Let Him open you up. Let Him show you what's there. Let Him deal with it, okay? Get, get through that, all right? Be honest. Be diligent about it, all right? Uh, move the rocks out of the way. Let's see what's up under there, all right? Not, not let's see in the sense of you bring it out here. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying uncover those places where maybe things are hidden in your life and, and, and let God shine His light and His love on that place in your heart so that you can deal with those sins and, 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 and repent and get above them, all right? There's a, a passage in Isaiah chapter 59 where it says, your iniquities have built barriers between you and your God and your sins have made Him hide His face from you so that He does not listen. Yes, you live by grace, but there's a, there's, there's a fundamental truth here, and that is that sin separates us from God. 
And so we need to be willing to let God show us our heart, and we need to be willing to clean out whatever we need to and personally repent, all right? It it has an effect on all of us, all right? In Joshua chapter 7, we see that sometime later when they had already entered uh, into Canaan, uh, when one man sinned, Achan, it brought misery and it brought defeat on an entire nation of people. And I think sometimes we don't realize that our sin can hurt other people and our sin has profound effects on other people's lives. So repent of every known sin and, and, and deal with it and get it under the blood of Jesus, all right? And the other thing that I think setting us apart does is it puts us on spiritual alert, all right? It, it helps us to see God at work. We, we begin to look around and we begin to understand that God is doing something. I think consecration in the Old Testament in, involved things like washing your clothes, um, abstaining from sexual relations, changing your work schedule, other things. There's different things that, that people didn't do at particular times. And they deliberately interrupted their sort of like their good, normal, you know, functions in life for God to be able to, to, to hear and see and understand God. And they were alert spiritually to things. And, 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 and Joshua is saying, hey, God is about to do amazing things. God, God is, is about to, to, to move, and you don't want to miss it. You don't, you don't want to be out of sync here. You don't want to get outside of this thing. So what he's saying is, why don't you say in your heart, I will set aside the typical and the mundane and the normal, and I will put my spirit on ready to be able to see God uh, at work and see how God is working around me, and then I will join him. And that's what I want for us as Life Church. Folks, the last thing we need to do is come up with some kind of program or plan and then say, hey, God, come down here and join us. Come down here and bless what we're doing and, and, and make it good and make it work. No, we need to be alert to what God is doing. We need to get on His side. We need to figure out what is it God is doing uh, in Life Church and in the neighborhood and say, you know what, God, I'm going to lay my life down right here and I'm going to join you. I'm, I'm going I'm to come on board with you and I'm going to do what you are calling me to do. So I'm going to set myself aside. I'm going to consecrate myself, if you will. So to sort of cross the uncrossable, we fix our gaze on Jesus by sensing His movement and following Him. And then we set ourselves apart from sin and we set ourselves unto Him. And so we, then we're constantly alert for the hand of God to move among us. I believe that some of you will be able to say, hey, I sense this is how God is moving. And you'll be able to understand exactly what it is God is wanting you to do. The Bible says that the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. So God will be able to use you in powerful ways for that. There's one more thing that I'd like to flush out of this this morning and we'll quit. And that is you also, once, once you have done this, once you have fixed your, your eyes on Jesus, once you have have said, I will move only with God. And once you have repented of your sins and set yourself apart, then you've got to step out and stand still. And I think that's right about where we're just about at. We're camped. And we're getting ready. And you know what? I think the runners are running through the camp right now. I think they're saying, get ready. When you see God move, you get in there and you follow Him. You do what He's called you to do. And so we need that sense of obedience, that sense of laying down our lives. Pastor Dave is going to just convict you to no end next Sunday with that message, all right, of presenting your life as a sacrifice for the kingdom of God. But step out, all right? Verse 7 and 8 says that the Lord spoke to Joshua and said, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel. 
so they will know that I will be with you just as I was with Moses. Command the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the edge of the waters, stand in the Jordan. Now, if you look at that, but then you run your finger down and you go down to verse 14, it says, uh, excuse me, 13, it says, And when the soles of the feet of the priest bearing the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. Do you understand? It wasn't just a matter of them saying, I set myself apart. I'll prepare myself. I'll be ready. And I'll wait. And I'll just keep waiting. Nope. Step into that water. When the priest steps into that water and stands, something will happen upstream. There are things that God will do that you cannot see. And in, in, I honestly, in my heart, believe that God is on the precipice of doing things that we will not ever know He did. Yet they will have a profound impact, impact on Life Church because they are upriver from where we are. And we don't understand what He's doing up there. But here's what they did understand. As those priests stepped into that river and they stood there with that Ark of the Covenant, something began to happen. Now, I don't know if they were at thigh level or waist level or chest level where the water was hitting them, but I know one thing. As they stepped in there and stood there with the Ark on their shoulders, something began to happen. The water began to go down very quickly. And the Bible says it was stopped upstream. It's a wonderful miracle. It's a wonderful lesson for us to understand. God is already at work. God's been at work. God was at work through 21 days of prayer and fasting. God was at work in the meeting of our gathering of our minds to pour ourselves into this thing and spiritually strategize. God has been in what has been going on since then to try to plan and set goals and look at the things that we need to be doing. All right? God is already at work and God has us camped here in this place. We are about ready to step on the other side of a river into a place that we've not ever been or known. And so here we are ready and waiting. And folks, We've got to be prepared so that we can step into that water and stand. Because that's when we're going to see the greatest movement of God. That's when we're going to see the more miraculous kinds of things happen. It isn't going to be in the preparation. It isn't going to be in the sanctification. It isn't going to be in the camping and waiting. It's going to be when we step into the river and we stand. And we're going to see what God does. Understand this, please. Focusing on the Lord is essential. Consecrating yourself to the Lord is vital. But we will never cross the river unless we take a step of faith. All right? Our eyes and our hearts can be right on. But if we don't move our feet to meet the challenges that God is putting in front of us, we will never progress in the work of God. And that is going to require you and I to take a position that we will die to ourselves in order that the will of God might be accomplished through us in what we're doing. We've got to commit ourselves. We've got to commit our time, our energy, our money, our lives to doing what God is doing or it won't happen. It won't happen. And so I want to challenge you today that you and I say yes, not only to the place of being camped, all right? So we're here. I don't know what three days for us is. It could be three months. It could be three years. I highly doubt it. I think God is, is moving. I think He is upriver working already. I think He has already told us to break camp from where you were and move to the edge of the river. 
I think 21 days of prayer and fasting did that. A meeting together of our hearts did that. We are right there on the precipice of a move. And when he moves, we've got to be ready to move with him. We've got to be ready to do what God is saying we must do. All right? So I'm challenging you and I that, that, that over this next week that we seek God and we fast and we pray and we set ourselves apart. We get rid of the sin in our lives and we make ourselves available and we get our hearts ready to be committed to whatever God wants to do in life church camped but ready to go at a moment's notice may the spirit call us and may we answer and follow the lord amen amen